0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape, I meet Anis and Lisa, who tells me about their relationship with the criminal justice system and how they got involved with it. They also talk about the effect it had on them and how they took advantage of
1: their second chances an ex-offender I received a nature prison sentence for drug importation in 2000 Um, I was released on parole in 2004 um, I was, as a parolee, I should have um, had the required support, but it was, especially with regards to my accommodation. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't checked on. Upon release, I found out that it wasn't fit for a dog to live in. I stood in market on the 15th of December, 2004, with a bag in my hand, thinking, what am I going to do now? Um, if I'd gone back to probation and said, well, you know, my accommodation isn't fit, I could have been in breach of my license, and I was worried about being recalled especially as I hadn't committed a further offence. So I just remember standing there thinking, this isn't going to happen to somebody else. I mean, if this happens to a parolee, you know, the goodness will knows what happens to people that are not on parole, that are on that revolving door, what we call bed and breakfast people.
0: But yes. how did you come by in setting up Vision Housing?
1: Um, well, again, like many others, the difficulties were finding organisations that could assist you. I was more fortunate because of the vision project at HMP Sutton Park. I'm I'm working in the resettlement field as a serving prisoner. I was fortunate enough to know that there were organisations out here. You just had to find them. So I went along and badgered my job centre and said, you know, I'm here, I need help, what can you do? Nothing came forward and then um, there was a lady there, Elaine, in Kingston Job Centre, um, she told me that there was an, an organisation called Ecoactive Services. So I became a client of theirs on a Progress to Work, but it took me a long time to find them. Then, um, from there, from the, after the first interview with them, they asked me to become a volunteer, and then the managing director, Amanda, put me up for some funding, and it was £1,000, to cover the whole of London for a year to house people. So it sounds as if somebody actually gave you that challenge. Yes, <laughs> it was a challenge. It was, um, I mean, it was a maximum of £1,000. It was basically home office money. So why did they choose you? Well, it wasn't. I was put forward by the managing director of Ecoactive services. She felt that I, you know, I deserved a better chance. Oh, so was it for, for yourself to improve your own situation? No, to set up Vision Housing. To set, set it up, um, so the, you know, initially it was a thousand pounds. I was awarded fifteen hundred pounds, um, and condition of that fifteen hundred pounds was I took on a volunteer and trained her up in the work that I did. They obviously saw something in you that could bring about some change. I mean, that is fantastic. Yes, it was. Um, I came out very, very excited. Um, lunchtime, I must admit, I did come out and and call Amanda. And so I can't do this <laughs> um, because now my mission statement was being born through the sec- because it was all run through um, the central public innovations and they supported me in the beginning and it was as I said it was a maximum of thousand pounds they gave me fifteen hundred I was absolutely ecstatic you know but that was to last for a year which obviously wasn't but what a challenge and I took that challenge somewhere before all
0: this happened you must have expressed some interest or some desire to see
1: the need of ex-offenders needs being put right. Yes, it was, when you're, when you're doing a long prison, uh, prison sentence, you know, the amount of people you see constantly coming back in, in and out, in and out, you know, in the space of three months, six months, um, and when, if you ask them why, you know, a, a winner, what's going on, it's always, root is accommodation, Lack of accommodation. I mean, we used to try and do our best within the prison to to ascertain, you know, housing for women that was being released, but um, it just doesn't work, you know. So I just wanted to do something. I just wanted to target the private sector. I knew that if I targeted them, it would be a success.
0: So when you say it doesn't work, does it mean that it really needed somewhat someone on the outside to receive them when they come out, as opposed to working from the inside?
1: Yes. Well, that but so many you know how there's been resettlement projects around for a very very long time some do absolutely fantastic work but one thing they don't do is 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 put you know give people on that revolving door a chance and that is suitable sustainable accommodation on the day of release now they are able to uh, obtain um, a bed and breakfast for 48 hours but then what happens and that was, that is a big concern. And it's a big concern for us now that um, organisations are still using this. But at the end of the year, they're able to tick the right boxes because they've actually given accommodation on the day of release, which is wrong. So how many, shall we call them
0: service users? Is that, I don't yeah. know if that's right. Yeah. <laughs> service yeah. users do you see and hopefully
1: meet their needs? We've housed to date 196. Uh, it's just slightly over now because obviously my team... Uh, manage the office for me now. So it's 196. Um, according to our database, we have a 10% reoffending rate. Um, national stats is between 50 and 75%. So I have been cheeky enough to ask the National Offenders Management Service to help us with an evaluation. And hopefully, um, we are we can't afford it, but um, we're we're waiting at the moment because we've had to ask for a favour. So as soon as that's done, we'll know the full. But according to our stats, it's
0: 10%. So how does this actually work in reality? I mean, it's, someone's just been released from prison. What's next? Up? What happens next? OK, well, they,
1: um, it's no good just housing them mm-hmm. and saying, well, OK, you have a roof, you know, off you go. <sighs> Wrong move. You then have to work with them and um, find out what they want. What do they want? Not what... Um, not what a statutory bodies say this is what you must do but what do they want because if you push people into employment just for the sake of it it's not going to last so it's a matter of finding out what they really want what do they really want to do and we refer obviously ecoactive is one of my uh, one of my partners we are a part we do have a partnership and um, ecoactive obviously progress to work for further education training and employment so we refer them on
0: Are the service users referred to you or do they just sort of turn up on your door, sort of at the dead of
1: night, knocking on
0: your door for help? (laughs) They have done.
1: (laughs) Um, A lot of them, they're referred to us. I mean, for two years, um, as a social enterprise, we could not charge for our service. I was being blocked in every single way. Every time I turned, I was being blocked. Now, you know, we have proved ourselves. We're an award-winning service and... Organisations now pay us, from the Metropolitan Police to—I mean—and they are my biggest supporters. Um, I must admit, um, the response I had from Merton, um, the PPO team, which is persistent, prolific offenders team, um, the support I had from the Metropolitan Police there has been unreal, um, and they—they they were actually the ones I thought would give me a hard time. Well, what I was going to say, that, that, was, that was quite ironic. really, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Because I remember that, you know, when we first received a check and it had the Metropolitan Police song, it was quite an, you know, quite an achievement. And uh, I did telephone one of the officers and say, I told you to pay me one day. And we <laughs> laugh about it, you know. And uh, But yes, to have them supporting us um, for the benefit of the people that we work with has been Unbelievable. How did the name Vision Housing come about? Well, Vision Housing, well, it was um, actually the Vision Project at HMP East Sutton Park, and I wanted to keep the name because amongst the offender circles with the female, um, Vision was well known. Um, so I just, we just, I just added Project project, Vision Housing. Um, and that's what we do, that's all we do. I'm saying that it is a lot. There's a lot more than just, you know, we have to obtain landlords, we have to get them to waiver deposits, make sure all correct benefits are up in place. I mean there's a lot of work yeah I, it just seemed right vision housing but I don't actually believe that it it states what we actually do because we just look like another housing service and we do so much more so much more I'm sure you do now do
0: you cater for both male and female or is just a single gender male and female male
1: and female yes so it's, ac- it's across the board across the board We currently cover the whole of South London and we have a fantastic database of private landlords who work with us and uh, we have, um, I think it was eight, nine, if not more, one-bedroom properties um, so we could house people out of prison into one-bedroom self-contained flat. Um, how do you acquire these properties? Well, it's a matter of um, knocking on the doors of the, of the, of the landlords. Um, I don't believe in any of my team sitting behind a desk trying to find accommodation. Um, the only way to find accommodation is get on your feet and walk. That's the best way. That's how I found all our landlords to date. They're what you call below-the-wire landlords. They're social landlords. They, so they don't just rent out their property for a year and then when the year's up, they want to sell it. They want you out. This, this is their business. So yes, they are making money, but that's their business and we want their accommodation. And they they waver the deposits for us because people coming out don't have a month's rent in advance and a deposit. And then if you go to an estate agent, up to £250 for them to fill in a bit of paper for you. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's what we target and our landlords are great with us.
0: Now, I started off by saying it's a low level Mm ex-offenders that you cater for. Is there any particular ex-offender that you wouldn't accept on the project?
1: Yes, unfortunately, yes. Um, we do not house MAPA clients, which is multi-agency public protection Agreement. I think <laughs> I always get stuck on the A. Yeah. Um, you know, because they do need specialist support, and we're actually not geared up for that. The others is obviously scheduled ones and sex offenders. It would be impossible for us to to place these securely within the community. We're not geared up for that for that support. And arsonists, and seriously violent offenders, is also on our referral criteria. Albeit, I like to meet the clients myself, and everybody is, is judged on their own merit.
0: How many staff do you have working at the Vision Project? Six. Um, I have a team of six now. Um,
1: do it All doing one. Well. <laughs> and I do believe that they are also ex-offenders? Oh, yes, yeah, some of them. Yes, yeah, some of them. Um, they're not all like ex-offenders, um, but um, the ex-offenders that are currently working with us, um, I brought in, uh, when well, I contacted um, South London Learning Consortium. Um, they come in. Um, we put them on MVQs. Um, so, you know, I don't want them to just do voluntary work for me. It's about gaining a qualification in order to, for them to progress either whether after the end of the course they gain employment with us or whether they go on. Um, Either way, you know, the fact is they've got that qualification.
0: So as well as having somewhere to live, they can also
1: find employment with Vision Housing? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I think it's great to have service user involvement. I'm very hot on service user involvement. Um, But, you know, I've got to be careful that, you know, not all my staff are are looked at as ex-offenders because they're not all ex-offenders. We've got a good, strong team. Um, And now, as I said, moving over to North London to set up the team there, albeit we are already housing there.
2: I've been employed by Vision Housing now for approximately two months My role is um, operations manager, Um, I initially came in as a volunteer which lasted a month after which my role was was reviewed and I was offered and given the opportunity to take up the role as operations manager. Primarily um, what Revision Housing does is will not only just house ex-offenders, but it also um, gives a lot of support to ex-offenders in terms of rehabilitation, employment training, um, etc. So it's not a matter of just housing them, it's supporting them all the way through and working with them to improve
0: their needs as they move on. Are you able to tell us a bit about your own background, your Mm -hmm. own experience and how you come to come in contact with vision housing in the first place yeah sure as
2: you as I said and as you're aware vision housing um, works with ex-offenders I am um, an ex-offender my my background is HR human resources I worked for the same organization for almost 17 years I made a mistake during um, that period I mean we all make mistakes And as a result, I have a criminal record. Now, whilst I was um, serving my sentence, when I was due to be released, I was referred to Vision Housing. And I got in contact with um, Anise. It was just a matter of me picking up the phone and contacting Vision Housing. It just so happened that Anise answered the phone. I explained who I was what my background was. And she invited me in for an interview um, the next day. Upon meeting her, she said, most definitely there's there's something she can um, do for me in terms of employment. So I have seen the other side of Vision Housing, whereby... Primarily, their role is to house ex-offenders. I didn't have a housing requirement, but I had a need for employment and an Eastern Vision housing obviously um, saw my skills, my background regardless of my criminal record, and I guess utilizing them now. <laughs> if you weren't here, where
0: would you be and what would
2: what would you be doing? I would still be employed, unemployed, rather, um, at this stage. If Vision Housing, or if I didn't pick up the phone to Vision Housing and speak to a niece, I would still be unemployed. Why would you be? Because there are so many stigmas is you, you know, attached to someone that has a criminal record. Although um, I do have a strong background in employment and in HR, it's difficult um, to actually um, gain employment, particularly as there's you know the recession going on there's millions of people unemployed I think without the assistance or without vision housing actually identifying my my key skills and experience and wanting to utilize those skills I would still be unemployed if it wasn't for vision housing
0: and how has it changed your life
2: It has changed my life considerably. As I said, you know, I made a mistake in my my life. It was a great knock um, to myself, to my family. It knocked my confidence. But coming in and working alongside Anise has, I've regained my confidence and I'm doing what I do best and that's working with people. You know, I guess my, my HR background for 17 years, I mean, HR is working with people. Vision housing is all about people. So I'm doing what I
0: do best. Vision Housing has been very successful because, as you mentioned earlier, you won an award towards the end of last year. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: Well, we've won a couple of awards. We were shortlisted. The first year I applied for the Andy Ludlow Homeless Award, and they kind of, um, not being rude, but they sort of poopard us out of of the running, which was acceptable because we hadn't been going very long. And at that time, the office was still the back of my car. You know, because initially it was about a mobile phone, in the back of a car and £59 a week, which is what I set up on. We were then shortlisted with the following year, we applied again for the Andy Ludlow so the Andy Ludlow Homeless Award and we came third. I won Social Entrepreneur Year Award in 2008. And I mean, we've just put forward again for the Social Justice Award. So we're waiting on the outcome of that.
0: Anis, what you have done, it seems to be a great achievement. You have achieved an awful lot. And I was just thinking, it seems really strange to think it, but do you think you would have achieved what you have achieved if you hadn't been inside?
1: No, I don't think I would have. I don't say that prison changed me, but what I would do is say prison saved my life. And the length of my sentence allowed me time to find myself again because of what I was involved in outside. It didn't change me. It just gave me the opportunity to, to um, find myself and, um, and work out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. The, the phrase comes to mind
0: of being a model prisoner because it sounds to me that you were quite involved even where you, you were inside doing your time. You didn't just do your time, you got quite involved and tried to help other people as well as yourself. Were you a model prisoner?
1: Well, what is a model prisoner? You know, if uh, it's kind of, well, I suppose in one way, yes. But, you know, I didn't have a problem with arguing with a member of staff either. So, yeah, I mean, I think I only ever had one or two adjudications whilst I was in. But then who doesn't? But, yeah, I suppose. I don't like to say model prisoner, really. I was just a prisoner, you know, yeah, um, willing to argue and stand up for anybody at any time. Well,
0: a, a prisoner who worked very hard on behalf of others.
1: Well, yes, that that was um, that was kind of in my nature, you know. I'm going to sound like a right wuss now, but you know, <laughs> if I'm able to assist and, and, you know, somebody needs our help, then somebody should be there for them. You know, it's it's been too long since um, people have been coming out of prison, going to the council, they're deemed single homeless non-priority. And then left to their own devices. So even if they have worked hard in prison and want a chance, the fact that they have to go back to what they know because they're not given any help is huge because they say, OK, they need a bed to sleep in and they'll go and ask a friend, you know, start sofa surfing, back onto drugs back in prison. That's right, the whole cycle begins all over again. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what Vision Housing is here for, to assist in reducing the risk. We can't stop offending. I mean, goodness, no, you know, we're not that good. But what we can do and what we do do is reduce the risk of re-offending.
0: Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com.
2: Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity.
1: He was a very knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you.
2: Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the
1: point,